to order. Uh, Senator Inhofe, are you, Senator Inhofe, do you need, are you in a big rush or do you, can you wait to, okay? I'll get to you in just a minute because I know you've got a special introduction to make. Let me introduce uh, Senator Booker and myself who will op make opening remarks for majority and minority and then we'll go through it with questions and hear the testimony of our witnesses. Calling this hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to order, I'm happy to step in today while our colleague Senator Flake is serving as an international elections monitor in Zimbabwe. It's truly a historical moment for that country and I'm eager to hear the official results. Today we will hear the testimony from four nominees to serve the United States in various positions. Michael Hammer has been nominated to be U.S. Ambassador to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I have been to the DRC. I appreciate your willingness to serve and wish you the very best. Kyle uh, McCarter has been nominated to serve as our Ambassador to Kenya. We met this morning. I've been there and been to Kibera, which is the largest slum outside of uh, India in the world and uh, know how much attention the, the Kenyans need. Stephanie Sullivan has come, been nominated to be our ambassador to Ghana, where I also had the pleasure of going when Jonathan Mills was president and before he passed away. And they're a great friend of the United States, Millennium Challenge recipient, and a great uh, raised some great pineapple too, I might add. Uh, and finally, Donald uh, Tapia has been nominated to represent the United States in Jamaica. I want to thank you for your willingness to serve in our country in these posts. And I don't want to sound like I'm a world traveler, but I've been to Jamaica too. And the, the Rio Grande River is one of the nicest things to tube down you've ever seen in the world. So I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I want to welcome the family members who are here today with you, and I hope you will introduce them during your remarks. I know that you have colleagues who would like to introduce Mr. Carter, Mr. McCarter and Mr. Tapia. At this point, I'll recognize Senator Inhofe to introduce Mr. McCarter. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's uh, an honor for me to, uh, to be here to uh, introduce my fellow Oklahoman, our Oki from Muskogee, and, uh, and his wife and, and his son. You know, I've had the honor of visiting uh, Africa, I think, more than anyone in the history of the United States Senate. Just got back from a 161st African country visit, and ironically, one of those was Kenya, which is going to be, which uh, Kyle McCarter has been nominated to, uh, to uh, participate in. Uh, we had an interesting experience just last, uh, about a month ago, when we had two individuals that were running. Of course, uh, Kenyatta is the president of Kenya, but he had opposition, a guy named Odinga. And so I had the honor, and this is before the, uh, the national prayer breakfast, we had 4,000 people there. Now that's a, that's a big cut of the population. And I was honored to go up and bring up both Odinga and uh, Kenyatta and have them embrace Everyone cheered, and that country has actually come back together. They're in the middle of all kinds of problems at that time. Well, the, um, we're seeing a lot of positive changes in, uh, in uh, Kenya, and I believe that Kyle McCarter is the perfect person for that, for that job. Kyle grew up in Muskogee and uh, attended Oral Roberts University from a young age. His parents, Calvin and Linda, instilled his faith and love for serving others in him. Today, he's a small business owner, state representative, and a past international director of an organization called uh, Each One Feed One. It's the longest-serving NGO in northern uh, uh, Kenya. Um, Kyle and his wife, Victoria, who is, and Victoria is the educational director for that same group, Each One Feed One, 
have lived in Kenya in the past, and they travel there frequently and now support their efforts in regularly working with USAID and tribal chiefs and, and other dignitaries. And I, he understands the situation there. He has a love for Africa and uh, specifically for Kenya with the background there. He's going to do a good job. I have to say this, though, that there are two others that I also consider to be good friends, uh, Michael Hammer and, and Stephanie Sullivan. We um, uh, have talked together, worked together on different African projects for a long period of time. So I enthusi enthusiastically support the two of them also, but this is the guy I'm nominating, all right? <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, thank you, Senator. Now, it occurs to me since you said what you said. I've never had the chance since I got here 14 years ago to thank you for introducing me to Africa for the first time in Djibouti and in uh, the National Prayer Breakfast in Kenya, as a matter of fact, at the That's Safari right. Hotel in Nairobi, Kenya, a long time ago. There's no question you've been a great ambassador to the to people of Kenya and to the United States of America from those people. Mm -hmm. And I've attended the prayer breakfast, I think, just about every morning that is here in February every year and, and, and when we've gone to Africa together. And you're a great leader for that, introducing that country to that continent to us. And I appreciate very much the time you spent with me when I've gone. Well, it's very nice of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now it's a pleasure to introduce uh, Corey Gardner to introduce our next nominee. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thanks to all of the uh, the nominees here for your willingness to serve our country. Welcome to your families uh, as well. Uh, this is an incredible opportunity to, to introduce uh, to the committee uh, Don Tapia from uh, Arizona. And I just want to start by sharing a couple things, a couple statements and, and quotes about Mr. Tapia and uh, the kind of person he is. Uh, this is a quote about his growing up. Uh, he lived the American dream from the slums to Paradise Valley. It was a hell of a ride from a one-bedroom flat with a Murphy bed shared by my mother and sister while I slept on a couch. A father who disappears and a mother who's strapped to make the rent and feed my sister and I. I used to tell people we had a lot. I used to tell people we had a lot. A lot of potato soup with very little potato. Um, if you look at his background, the work he's done in education, the work that he's done as uh, you know, chairman of the Board of Trustees at St. Leo University, and I'll get into that in a little bit, the Boys and Girls Club of Metropolitan Phoenix, Teen Lifeline Phoenix, Advisory Council of Arizona Animal Welfare League, Advisory Board for the Foundation for Blind Children in Phoenix, Arizona, a U.S. Army veteran, the list goes on and on of the things that he has accomplished. But perhaps one of the best moments in reading about Mr. Tapia's life is talking to his six grandchildren about the importance of education. But Mr. Tapia, after having sold magazines and books, uh, starting his own business, a very successful business, ESCO Electric Wholesale, Wholesale Electric outside of Phoenix, that he needed to practice what he preached. And so he decided that he would leave the company at 3 o'clock in the afternoon every day without telling anybody what he was doing so that he could take an online course to get his degree, uh, getting his degree from St. Leo. In fact, becoming the first uh, chairman of their, first board member of St. Leo with an online degree because of his commitment to education and practicing what he preached. Uh, studied flight control, which later led him to his uh, job as an air traffic controller. He went on to uh, create that, uh, his own business, uh, but he began by selling to contractors, eventually building a multi-million dollar wholesale company, the largest Hispanic-owned uh, company in Arizona, according to the Hispanic Business 500 list for 2008. Uh, he's lived a life of exemplary service. He's lived a life of commitment, and he started with humble roots uh, to return to those humble roots of public service today. Mr. Tapia, thank you for your willingness to serve this country. It's an honor to know you, to call you friend, 
and to have your commitment today. Thank you, Senator Gardner. Appreciate your introduction. I'll go ahead and introduce Mr. Hammer and Ms. Uh, Sullivan, and then we'll open, open remarks by Senator Booker, and then we'll go to the testimony of our witnesses. Uh, Mr. Hammer is a career member of the Senior Foreign Service who previously served U.S. Ambassador to Chile. Widely recognized for his broad policy formulation and implementation skills, Mr. Hammer is highly skilled, experienced choice to be ambassador to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, especially as it goes through a pivotal election time in December. Mr. Sullivan is a career member of the Senior Foreign Service with over 30 years of experience. Prior to joining the Foreign Service, she was a Peace Corps volunteer in Africa. She is currently serving as a Deputy Assistant to the Secretary of the African Affairs, and I appreciate her commitment for this country and to Africa. Her familiarity with the region, I believe, is critical to the United States, and her previous collaboration with both USAID and the United States military will enable her to promote good governance, economic development, and regional security in Ghana. Now, all four of you are nominated to very important positions. We know your families are proud of us, proud of you, and so is your country. I'll now turn, turn to Ranking Member Cory Booker for his remarks. Um, Mr. Chairman, forgive me. I'm going to, just for the uh, sake of time, I'm going to submit my opening remarks for the record. Let's get to hear uh, from these uh, extraordinary people before us. That must have been a good story. I haven't seen you that speechless in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll now open for five minutes opening statement by each one of the, our witnesses, and then we'll have Q&A for that. And if you go way over five minutes, a big bull will come in to get you. So try and hold it within five if you can. Thank you very much. We'll stop Mr. Tapia. Donald Tapia. Mr. Chairman, distinguished members of the committee, I am honored to appear here today as President Trump's nominee and the next U.S. Ambassador to Jamaica. I am grateful to the President and to the Secretary Pompeo for the confidence they have placed in me. Thank you, Senator Gardner, for being here and speaking on my, be on my behalf. Four, year ago, four years ago, I was, I was CEO and owner of Esco Electric, a wholesale electric company that was the largest Hispanic-owned company in Arizona. Since retirement, I have been involved in various philosophic and entrepreneurial ventures, including Team Lifeline, Boys and Girls Club, Metropolitan Phoenix, and Arizona Animal Welfare. Growing up in a very destituted area of Detroit, Michigan, I never would have imagined that I would one day appear before the distinguished members of this committee. Seeking confirmation for one of the most important posts that our government could convey upon one of its citizens. I feel the same as Bubba Watson, when he won the master's degree at Augusta. He is asked if he ever dreamt of winning the master's, and I put in quote, I never have a dream go that far, so I can't really say that it's a dream come true. Having served in the United States Air Force, instead of the Army, uh, <laughs> excited for the prospect of serving our nation once again, if confirmed as ambassador to Jamaica, I am firmly committed to building on our partnership with the Jamaican government in the areas of security, prosperity, energy, education, health, and diplomacy. If confirmed, I would pledge to work closely with Congress in advancing our national interests in Jamaica. Safeguarding the welfare of all U.S. citizens will be the highest priority. To achieve this, I will work with U.S. law enforcement agencies in conjunction with the Jamaican counterparts to identify and prosecute 
transnational criminal organization, finance fraud and lotto scammers, as well as human and drug trafficking. Jamaica's proximity to the United States, shared culture and language can facilitate expansion, engagement, investment, trade, and cooperation. Jamaica is ripe for the development of a renewed energy source, like geothermal, solar, and wind power. Jamaica has some of the world's highest electricity rates, which reduces competitiveness and prevents them from investing in other areas, such as education and business enterprises. If confirmed, I will continue to support the OPIC, Overseas Private Investment Corporation, and TSTI, U.S. Trade and Development Company, and their efforts to focus on promising sectors, including storage, renewable energy, infrastructure, and small business development. Jamaica is also subject to extreme weather events, including hurricanes, storms, flooding, and earthquakes, which lead to loss to capital and investment funds. I will work to advance the, what the U.S. aid is doing, working along with Jamaica government to strengthen its resilience of uh, preparation of service of severe weather events. With approximately 30,000 current uh, residents uh, having HIV AIDS, Jamaica faces one of the highest prevention rates in the Caribbean. If confirmed, I will continue to, to work with PETFAR, President's Energy Plan for AIDS Relief, working with all levels of government, civil society, and endeavor with all the people living with HIV are diagnosed and immediately receive treatment. This includes working with all partners to reduce stigma and discrimination to ensure just access and prevention of treatment which can affect the United States. With my management and entrepreneurial skills, commitment to success, and leadership in business, community, and education makes me qualified to serve as the ambassador to Jamaica. I can be a conduit between the Jamaican government and the U.S. business community if confirmed. Mr. Chairman, esteemed members of this committee, I want to express my sincere appreciation for your consideration of my nomination as ambassador to Jamaica. I'd be very happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much, Mr. Tapia. Ms. Sullivan? Mr. Chairman, ranking member, distinguished members of the committee, I'm honored to appear before you today as President Trump's nominee to be the next ambassador to the Republic of Ghana. I appreciate the confidence the President and Secretary of State Pompeo have shown in me through this nomination. If confirmed, I look forward to working with you and other members of Congress and staff to advance American interests in Ghana. I'm joined today by my husband, John Sullivan, and our sons, Dan and Scott. We have fond memories of our four years in Ghana when I'm the sorry boys to interrupt were small. You, but is one of those people living in New Jersey? Is that That's true? correct, sir. I'm sorry. Could, could the Jersey boy stand up? But, but you, yes, thank you very much. But, you're a very handsome man, sir. But could you, could you tell us what state you're from, just so I... <laughs> Maryland. <laughs> Along with my husband and our older son. So. No wonder they got elected. <laughs> in addition to three years as a Peace Corps volunteer in Africa, I have spent half of my 32-year foreign service career working on African issues. Before serving as acting principal deputy assistant secretary of state for African affairs, I was ambassador to the Republic of Congo, 
If confirmed, I look forward to returning to the region and building on the strong relationship between the United States and Ghana. Ghana is one of our leading partners in Sub-Saharan Africa and hosts the Africa Bureau's fifth largest diplomatic mission. It serves as a regional hub for many US government activities, hosting one of the Young African Leaders Initiative Regional Leadership Centers, for example. The country has been traditionally a leader on the continent, blazing the trail for independence in 1957. Our two peoples enjoy long-standing ties. Back in 1961, Ghana welcomed the world's first Peace Corps volunteers. Today, some 150 volunteers serve alongside counterparts throughout the country in the agriculture, education, and health sectors. In addition, the Fulbright, Humphrey, and other exchange programs have built decades of personal connections between Americans and Ghanaians. In keeping with U.S. policy priorities for Africa, our efforts in Ghana advance three mutually reinforcing goals, promoting economic development and trade, improving regional security, and strengthening good governance. Our first goal is promoting economic development and trade. Ghana has the potential to become one of Sub-Saharan Africa's leading economies. It has recently experienced strong economic growth, advancing at a rate of 8.5% in 2017. The United States is among Ghana's principal trading partners, with bilateral trade exceeding $1.6 billion last year. Many major U.S. companies operate in Ghana. Earlier this month, Secretary of Commerce Ross led a delegation of the President's Advisory Council on doing business in Africa to Ghana, where he signed a memorandum of understanding to deepen the commercial partnership between our two countries. Also, through a $498.2 million Millennium Challenge Corporation Compact, the United States supports the transformation of Ghana's energy sector via private sector participation and key policy and institutional reforms that will provide more reliable and affordable power to Ghana's businesses and households. If confirmed, I will promote trade and help Ghanaian businesses take better advantage of the African Growth and Opportunity Act. I will also encourage the government of Ghana's anti-corruption efforts, its investment of oil revenues to advance development, its sustainable management of its environmental resources, and its pursuit of regional economic integration. I will support Ghana's journey away from dependence on traditional development assistance in line with President Nana Kufo-Addo's vision of Ghana beyond aid. Our second goal is improving regional security. We share an interest in countering terrorism and promoting stability across West Africa. Ghana has provided peacekeepers throughout the world starting in 1960. Through its regional training centers, Ghana builds peacekeeping and security sector capacity beyond its borders. Our third goal is strengthening good governance. We work with Ghana to enforce, reinforce democratic institutions and enhance government responsiveness to its citizens. If confirmed, I expect to witness Ghana's eighth consecutive peaceful national democratic election in December 2020. I will ensure responsible stewardship of taxpayer dollars through effective leadership of U.S. Mission Ghana's strong interagency team. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, for the opportunity to appear before you today. I would be honored to respond to any questions. 
Good afternoon, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Booker, distinguished uh, members of the Foreign Relations Committee. It is a great honor and privilege to come before you once again before this committee to seek a third confirmation on this occasion as the President's nominee to be the next United States Ambassador to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. My family history motivated me to serve our great country. I'm a first-generation native-born American. My father, Michael Peter Hammer, gave up his life in service to our country when I was barely 17. And I knew then that I wanted to become an American diplomat. My mother, Magdalena Altares, supported my dream uh, despite knowing full well the inherent risks in our profession. And in fact, she may be trying to watch from Madrid. So to her, I say, gracias, mami, por todo el apoyo que me has dado. No podría haber realizado esta carrera sin ti. The Foreign Service, like your public service, is a family affair. I would like to recognize my wife, Margaret Bjorgo's daughter, who is with me here today and who has partner, uh, been my partner and served our nation for the past 30 years. I certainly would not be here without her and without her steadfast support and sacrifice. I'm also going to recognize my children, and then we can have them all stand up, and okay. uh, my children love to be uh, displayed in public. Uh, and they have been terrific and handled well, mostly uh, with good humor. Our Foreign Service moves Monica, Mike Thor, and our youngest, uh, Brynja, who will be affected during her senior year in high school if I am confirmed. Can you please? Uh... Y'all stand up. <laughs> all right. I won't be forgiven. Now, which one and is, is that? Yeah, is that your on the end? Is that a wife or a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Senator. <laughs> the United States has important interests in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. What happens in the DRC will affect the Central African region. If confirmed, I would be honored to lead Mission Kinshasa at one of the truly decisive points in the Congo's 58 years of independence, and would focus our efforts in five overarching priority areas. My top and most immediate policy priority will be to work toward a credible election that enables a peaceful and democratic transfer of power as we support democracy, promote good governance, and protect human rights. With the upcoming December 23rd elections, President Joseph Kabila has the opportunity to preside over the DRC's first democratic transfer of power and in doing so, achieve a significant legacy that advances the interest of his country and delivers an opportunity for a more peaceful and prosperous future for the Congolese people. Second, together with our ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, and her team, we will continue to support the United Nations peacekeeping mission in, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, MONUSCO, to help it carry out its mandate to protect civilians and support the electoral process. Third, we will continue to address the ongoing humanitarian crisis. The United States has been the most generous provider of humanitarian assistance to the Congolese people, and we will continue to work to alleviate the suffering and address the causes. Fourth, the Congo has experienced nine outbreaks of Ebola, the most recent of which was declared over just last week. So I fully intend to continue to work and support the efforts of our Centers for Disease Control, our USAID mission, uh, many international partners, and of course, the very capable Congolese authorities to ensure that future outbreaks do not become epidemics or pandemics. And finally, as when I was ambassador to Chile, I will have no higher priority than to ensure the safety, security, and well-being of our American community, 
of our staff and their families. The challenges in Congo are daunting. The stakes are high. The time is now for a credible election and peaceful transfer of power. If there is no improvement in governance or rule of law, there could be a return to large-scale violence and death, regional conflict, and mass starvation. The DRC is a tough assignment, but it is one that we as Foreign Service officers relish. We relish the opportunity to serve our country, to advance America's interest, to do some good, and make a difference. If confirmed, I would welcome discussing with you and your con congressional colleagues how best to advance our interests in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I value very much your engagement in the several meetings I've had with you already and would be happy to begin that conversation now and answer any questions you might have today or in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Hammer. Mr. McCarter. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Booker, uh, distinguished members of the committee, thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today. Uh, I am grateful to President Trump for nominating me for this position and to Secretary Pompeo for his support. Thank you uh, especially, uh, Senator Inhofe, for your gracious introduction and members of the Illinois Congressional Delegation for your tremendous support. I'm grateful to have with me today my beautiful wife of 34 years, Victoria, and who continually advocates for the empowerment of women in both the United States and Kenya, and my son, Austin McCarter, a graduate of my alma mater, uh, Old Roberts University, now running our family manufacturing company. Um, my other son, Air Force Captain Zachary McCarter, who was born in Kajabi, Kenya, uh, is not able to attend today as he is on assignment in Africa. I'm also thankful to my mother, Linda McCarter. She and my father showed me firsthand how to live a life of sacrifice to others, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. I'm motivated by the legacy of my father, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Chaplain Calvin McCarter, who passed in March, the day after receiving the news of my nomination. I'm inspired also by the memories of my daughter, Amber, who lived in Kenya with us for two years. It is an especially high honor for me to be nominated to serve as the United States Ambassador to Kenya, a country I have come to know very well and whose people I greatly admire. More than 30 years ago, I moved with my wife, Victoria, uh, and our daughter, Amber, who was two at the time, to a distant place named Thuraka. It was there that we built a medical clinic that continues to operate today, serving over 15,000 patients a year. The work now serves numerous HIV-positive families, operates a K-8 school, and a children's home. In those early days, I never imagined that I would return to Kenya countless times to lead various development projects like this and have the opportunity to combine this with my experience from serving in the, uh, as a state senator in the Illinois General Assembly. Uh, if confirmed, I will take as my first responsibility to lead the dedicated team of Foreign Service professionals and their families from the U.S. State Department and many other U.S. government agencies at, at our embassy in Nairobi. Serving with them, uh, serving with this team of dedicated civil servants who work daily to promote America's interest in Kenya would be a great honor. I will use my experiences in business, public service, and philanthropy to build on the already strong bilateral relationship between the United States and Kenya. I will continue to demonstrate the goodwill and generosity of the American people through important programs like PEDFAR, and I, and I will ensure ongoing investments are made in critical efforts to defeat terrorism in the region, 
to help put Americans here at home back to work. I will be a resource for American companies doing business in Kenya and work to promote partnerships that advance our common interest. The relationship between the United States and Kenya is strong. And if confirmed, I am confident that we can build on this already solid foundation. Kenya is a leader in East Africa and with continued support from the United States, I believe that we can make strides in promoting greater freedom and opportunity, which is the potential to bring new investments to Kenya that create jobs for both our countries. My experience gained from building businesses and making win-win deals has prepared me to work in the best interest of the American taxpayers, while at the same time stimulating the economy of Kenya while respect, with respectful, well-paying jobs. We must continue to prove to Kenya that America is the greatest of allies. I'm also encouraged by the recent handshake between President Kenyatta and opposition leader Rilo Odinga, and even the hug that... Uh, the senator spoke of in, in his introduction. The security of Americans in Kenya comes first. I take seriously the responsibility to protect Americans living and working abroad, as well as the need to meet our broader national security objectives. I will work diligently to prevent Kenya from being used as a gateway for terrorists. This is an immediate concern for the people of Kenya, America, and the rest of the world. Maintaining a strong strategic alliance with Kenya to fight the terrorist threat from al-Shabaab is, is a priority, and if confirmed, it will rank as one of my highest. I understand the real challenge of the job. I take this opportunity, if confirmed, as an assignment to serve. My talents, my passion, my love, and loyalty to our great country will be invested in this mission. My success in life as a husband, father, business owner, and legislator is based on serving others, and this challenge with your approval, will receive that same level of dedication. Thank you, Mr. McCarter. Did I skip introducing your wife? Did you, we introduce her? Hand up, please, dear. I saw that smile back there, and I said, and I think I missed that lady. I don't want to do that. Thank, thank you for your and support. Well. And your son. Anybody else? No, that's it. Did I miss anybody else I should have introduced? Anybody like to be introduced? John, <laughs> your family? My family. I'd like to introduce my, my family that is, that is here today, my daughter, Londa, uh, Londa Davis, and my grandson, uh, Joel Chidley. And where are y'all? Are they here? There they are. Right. There you are. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and congratulations to all of the nominees today. Thank you for being willing to consider taking on these difficult challenges at this very um, conflict-ridden time in the world. And thank you to all of your families for being willing to support you um, should you be confirmed. I, I want to start with you, Ambassador Hammer, because as you mentioned in your opening remarks, your top priority would be to try and encourage elections that should have happened in 2016 but have been postponed continually. And as you said, they're scheduled now for December 23rd. If those elections don't happen, what options do you have as ambassador, and what would you recommend for the administration here to address and encourage the DRC to think about turning over power peacefully? Thank you, Senator. And, uh, it's on. There we go. 
Thank you, Senator Shaheen, and it was, it's nice to see you again. You chaired the panel when I was uh, nominee previously. The last time, right? Yes, thank you. Uh, and that, uh, Senator, your question is exactly what uh, we are very much focused on. Uh, I would say that in what the administration has been doing, and I applaud uh, the leadership that our ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, has demonstrated uh, in traveling to the Democratic Republic of Congo in October of 2017, meeting with President Kabila, and uh, as a result of, of her efforts and those of, of many others, uh, we were able to get the elections uh, back on track and have an electoral process that now we hope will culminate in a credible election in December 2013, uh, 23rd. The, the key here, and again, if confirmed, is to get on the ground and continue the efforts that we have as the United States government, along with other partners uh, in the region, uh, whether it's uh, the neighbors, Angola, or others further afield, uh, like South Africa, or some European partners like the Brits, the French, or the international community, to uh, stress how important it is uh, that President Kabila live up to his commitment. It is, was his commitment under the San Sylvester Agreement of 2016 not to stand for a third term and to uh, enable a, an election that will provide a peaceful transfer of power. And that's where we're really focused on. Now, we will use all diplomatic uh, tools uh, that we can to ensure that uh, that message is clear and understood. I very much appreciate the engagement by members of this committee, resolutions that have been passed uh, by, with Senator Flake and, and Senator Booker that have conveyed that message very clearly to the Kabila government that is now time to allow for an election that is without him as, as a candidate. We will also use targeted sanctions. We will use uh, public messaging. We will ensure that uh, we have technical assistance that we can provide to help uh, carry out those elections. So, uh, Madam Senator, really, we are very much focused, again, on the here and now, the opportunity that we have, that President Kabila has, and that the Congolese people have, to have an election that is credible and that puts Congo uh, on a better path. Well, thank you, and I appreciate the cooperative effort to try and um, encourage the DRC to continue to move forward. Um, Mr. McCarter, your record in Illinois as a, legislature, as a legislator raises some very real concerns about your commitment to equal rights for all Americans. And as I'm sure you're aware, it's the policy of the State Department to advocate for LGBTQ rights as an integral part of its approach to promoting human rights around the world. So given your opposition to marriage equality, um, to allowing same-sex couples to adopt to some of the transgender um, legislation in Illinois that would have promoted equal opportunity for transgender people. Can you commit to this committee that if confirmed, you will meet with prominent members of Kenya's LGBTQ community and that you will work to protect and advance their human rights? Senator, thank you for the question, and I, and I can understand uh, why this is a question that you'd want to ask. Uh, my, um, first, let me say that the Kenyan high courts are, are, are taking up right now this issue about decriminalizing homosexuality. I want you to know right now I, I support that. Uh, I believe that's the right thing to do. Um, uh, my voting record in, in Illinois in the General Assembly uh, on this issue is very clear. 
Um, uh, it's, it has been my sincerely held belief that, uh, um, as well as another foundational tenet of my faith, and that is that we should love one another and love our neighbor as ourself. And so let me, so let me just say that um, and, uh, this issue has no bearing on how and, and whom I serve in public government uh, and in my business. Every, every person is created equal and deserving of respect. Uh, discrimination of any type uh, should not be allowed, and, and all those working under my le- leadership know this. Uh, if confirmed, it will, uh, I will continue to be uh, a leader, uh, a manager, and a friend of people all treated equal with uh, dignity and respect, regardless of their sexual orientation or religion. And so do you also commit that you will uphold all U.S. government and State Department policies regarding equal opportunities in the workplace, in your embassy for LGBTQ employees, both American and Kenyan? Absolutely, Senator. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Sheen. Uh, Senator Murphy. Uh, Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Thank you all uh, for um, your service. uh, Mr. McCarter, I'm going to uh, stay uh, with you to try to further develop this line of questioning. And I'll just sort of give you the, the reason for some of um, our concern, at least some of my concern. We had a nominee before this committee to be ambassador to Germany um, some uh, months ago who had, um, like you, a fairly robust public presence on social media in which he didn't hold back his political views. He promised us that uh, he would um, sort of tone that down once he went abroad, uh, that he would uh, be a good diplomat. Uh, and within about a day of getting on the ground, he was once again offering his political opinions and hasn't stopped. And so we want to make sure that when we send diplomats abroad, they drop their political views. Um, so um, let me ask you about uh, the comments that you've made on Twitter about America's refugee policy. You have been deeply critical um, of uh, President Obama's plans uh, to bring in refugees to this country. I won't read you all your tweets, but um, there's some pretty tough comments here. Uh, And you're going to a country uh, that um, brings in hundreds of thousands of refugees. They host today 500,000 refugees. And in fact, it's official American policy to encourage Kenya to continue to shelter uh, Somali and South Sudanese refugees. And so you can imagine it's very concerning to many of us that we are sending an ambassador to Kenya who has used his pulpit to try to discourage his own country from bringing in refugees, um, while your job will be to try to encourage Kenya. Uh, It sounds like we're sending a pretty interesting message to Kenya um, with the uh, nomination of someone who has had such outspoken views about keeping refugees out of the United States. Um, Answer my concerns uh, about your comments on refugees and what your position will be with respect to Kenya's Kenya's history of taking in refugees. Senator, uh, thank you for that question. Um, the, the The only concern I have is the proper vetting. And uh, as long as those refugees are vetted properly, so not to, in, uh, to cause risk to our citizens, I am as welcoming as anyone. Because what I've seen is that uh, 
these folks, they have grit. They have the ability to overcome some really tough situations. Uh, they're, they're, not, you know, they're, they're not coming because they just chose a better place. They're coming because they've, they've been put down. They've been held back. Um, uh, and so I, I, I know the grit that they have and the good that they bring to our country. And so let me be very clear. My only concern in all of those dialogues was that the vetting is, 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 is what it should be. Uh, I uh, accept that uh, explanation. I will just note that Kenya does not do the kind of vetting that you might expect us to, to do. Um, uh, they uh, have made the decision to act with compassion to bring those refugees in, notwithstanding uh, their uh, inability to do um, the kind of vetting that some would uh, like this country to do, and I would argue we do. Um, let me just associate myself with the concerns that Senator Shaheen uh, raised. Again, uh, accept uh, your answer that you are going to uh, respect um, U.S. policy with respect to LGBTQ uh, rights, uh, though I remain concerned about some of your comments in the past. Um, uh, lastly, let me just raise one tweet to you and ask you to explain it. Um, on the night of the election, uh, you sent out a tweet uh, that read as such, Hillary for prison. Uh, no, really. Um, what did you mean by that? Do you actually believe that Hillary Clinton should be in prison? Senator, uh, there are uh, there are conversations to have, uh, and I'm and I'm not the one to uh, to say uh, anyone uh, should be accused unjustly. But uh, there is, um, you know, there there is a, there is a hype in an election that we we uh, we, we make you know, we question, and and I did and I did pose the question, um, and uh, perhaps perhaps that was uh, uh, not called for, but I but I will tell you I I did pose the question. Um. Probably worthwhile for anybody thinking about taking a diplomatic post to just stand down on Twitter. Um, uh, these are not helpful comments to someone who is being asked to represent the United States abroad. That's not a sufficient explanation as far as uh, I'm concerned, uh, especially that it came uh, on the night of the election. Uh, but again, I appreciate you answering the questions. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Coons. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, it's great to be with you and Senator Booker again. Uh, and to have these nominees in front of us, I want to start by thanking you and your families for your uh, willingness to take on a service overseas in a wide range of countries where uh, our relations are particularly important. And I'm grateful uh, to my colleagues uh, for the speed with which we have moved to confirm ambassadors to Africa, an important continent where we need to be well represented. And I want to just take a moment and share that uh, Senator Flake is not with us uh, because he's acting as a, an election observer today uh, in Zimbabwe where an historic election took place yesterday, uh, something a group of five of us, uh, Senator Booker and Senator Flake and I and two others, uh, visited Zimbabwe a few months ago um, to consider their upcoming election. And I was grateful that this committee voice voted out uh, a bill that's now passed the Senate and the House and is awaiting the president's signature. Uh, to make it clear uh, to the government of Zimbabwe what are the necessary political and economic reforms uh, for our sanctions on that country to be lifted, of course, central among them, uh, free, fair, and credible elections. Uh, I also am optimistic. Uh, the election was held 
relatively peacefully with very high turnout, more than 70%. And most Zimbabweans waited for hours in line. I'm looking forward uh, to hearing an announcement of the results soon. I'm also pleased we moved quickly to confirm uh, now U.S. Ambassador to Zimbabwe, Brian Nichols, and Assistant Secretary uh, Tibor Naji, Tibor Naj. Um, so let me ask a few questions, if I might, in the three and a half minutes I have remaining. Um, if I might, uh, Mr. McCarter, just talk a little bit more about what are the most critical components of moving ahead a constructive political dialogue between uh, President Kenyatta and Raila Odinga. You, you referenced the handshake. Um, political reconciliation uh, is key to Kenya moving forward. Kenya is a vital ally in the region. Um, we have to see some progress. What do you think are the key elements in making progress in political reconciliation in Kenya? Senator, uh, thank you uh, for this question. I, it's, it's very important. It's very important to every aspect of what takes place in that country because, as we know, uh, the, uh, the division, the ethnic division, has, uh, has been an issue. Um, these, things don't take, uh, these things don't get better overnight, but it's, it is really encouraging to see what, how they're moving forward. Um, I expect that new leadership at the local level is going to help this situation. I think the devolution, the, the move to, to take that, that power from the federal government down uh, to the county levels, I, I expect, and I think we've already seen, new leaders step up uh, to, uh, to help bring people together, not just to speak for their region, not just to speak for their, for their tribe, but to uh, speak on behalf of the, the, the nation as a whole. And so I'm encouraged by this devolution process where these new leaders, some young leaders, are stepping up to lead, and I think that's a good thing. And I think that's what's going to make, uh, make a big difference. And will part of your role, should you be confirmed, uh, be active outreach, uh, helping county-level governments advance and improve, and helping a younger generation of leaders be involved in this reconciliation process? Yes, Senator. And, and, and let me just say, I think for any leader, um, you know, it was said uh, you don't have success without successors. For any leader, you have to be bringing up people beside you. And, and, and encouraging them, lead, motivating them uh, to, to take on that, that vision for, you know, for a country like Kenya. Like that. And, and I plan on doing that. I've always done that in my role as a senator. Uh, I will continue to do that as a role as an ambassador, if, if confirmed. Thank you. Thank you. Ambassador Hammer, um, thank you for being willing to take on a country the size of you know, the continent of, of Europe. Um, very complicated with a very tragic history, a great deal of internal conflict and regional conflict. Senator Shaheen's already asked you about this, but let me follow up further if I might. Tomorrow I'm going to uh, co-host a Human Rights Caucus event on the upcoming elections in the DRC. Um, what more can we be doing to work with regional leaders uh, to make sure that the country holds timely and credible elections? What kinds of incentives can we or should we offer to Kabila? Across the continent we have the problem of presidents uh, changing their constitutions, extending their terms, and not leaving. Um, and uh, how do you think we should gauge whether these elections, hopefully they will happen December 23rd, how do we gauge whether the results are credible? What factors do we look for? Thank you, Senator Coons, and your, for your personal engagement also on issues relating to the content, specifically in, on the, the DRC, and uh, including the session you'll be hosting uh, tomorrow. 
You're absolutely right, and we are uh, engaging with uh, partners in the, in the region, as I mentioned previously, whether it's Angola, South Africa, some of the other neighbors, but also with the African Union, SADC, the United Nations, the EU. Uh, I think all trying to uh, project uh, the same message, and the message is that uh, we have an expectation that President Joseph Kabila will abide by the Congolese Constitution and not seek a third term, that he will live up to his word in the uh, agreement of 2016, that he would uh, allow for the, the transfer of, of power peacefully. And so as we move forward, we need to look to see, you know, he should understand uh, that there's uh, a legacy at stake, and he has an incredible opportunity to enable the first peaceful democratic transfer of power in the 58-year history of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And he also, I think, understands, as do many others, that uh, we are holding people accountable who uh, stand in the way of uh, allowing for a democratic process, who uh, may be corrupt, who are violators of human rights. Uh, you probably know for a while that we have uh, uh, imposed uh, sanctions on six individuals and one entity under the the, uh, the provisions of the law that allow us to do so on the DRC. We've also worked with the United Nations uh, to identify and sanction four other people, and we've used visa restrictions. But that's on the, on the stick side. But on the carrot side, I think the message is to the Congolese people that they have a partner in the United States of America. As I mentioned, we are the most generous donor on humanitarian assistance, but we're ready to go beyond that and help in its development and empower the Congolese people to have the opportunity for a better future. And that requires, of course, coordination and work with this committee that is so engaged and I would look forward to, if confirmed, uh, have further discussions on how, again, we can help the Congolese uh, people realize uh, the kind of future that they so much desire. Thank you. Thank you, Ambassador. I've got more questions, but I'm out of time for now. We'll get right to you in just as soon as we get the other questions done. Senator Kane. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and congratulations to each of you both for your nominations and your service. Um, Senator Carter, I want to follow up on just the, the last comment that Senator Murphy asked you. I, I was a missionary in a military dictatorship um, in 1980 and 81, and it was the kind of place where political opponents would be put in prison. And boy, it was an eye-opener for me, because I had not experienced anything other than suburban Kansas City uh, when I moved to Honduras and lived in a society where if you were a political opponent, you could be put in prison. And that, that was an eye-opener, but also really convinced me that, thank God, that's not who we are. You know, other, other nations, and there's a lot of them, not just Honduras, but other nations are those kinds of places today all over the globe. There's stories in the newspapers today about political opponents being put in prison. And so when somebody in this country, especially in a position, uh, a titled position of, of trust, which you hold, suggests that not that somebody's bad shouldn't be elected, glad they lost, et cetera, but they should be put in prison. I just, especially having lived in Kenya and seen a circumstance different than, than maybe we have here, I, I'm just completely perplexed. Have you, have you had cause to repent of that? of that attitude, you said to Senator Murphy, you acknowledged that you raised the question. It, it's not a question. I mean, it, it, is a, it is a sort of an assertion that would seem to be completely contrary to the 
the system of government that we have. Well, do you have a response? Have you had cause to think about that and repent of it? Senator, per, uh, perhaps it wasn't the wisest of tweets. And, uh, you know, that's the thing can, about can I say tweets. This? They don't, they the, don't, you can't grab them back. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm not questioning the, the, note, the letters that your hand typed. I'm yeah. questioning how does a thought like that come into the brain of somebody who is serving as an elected official in a democratic system like we have? It's not that you typed it. It's you had to think it before you typed it. And, and it just seems so contrary to the values of the democracy that we would live in that suggesting prison for a political opponent is something that you would blithely do. Well, obviously, no one, uh, no one should be uh, convicted of anything they didn't do. I understand that. So it, again, if it, uh, perhaps it's one of those tweets that uh, you'd like to reel in, but you can't, uh, and that was one of those. There's a beautiful biblical phrase, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's less the mouth than the heart that I guess I'm inquiring about when I ask that question. Let me ask to uh, Ambassadors Sullivan and Hammer, you guys have had some pretty amazing experiences. I had a son who was deployed in Africa with the Marines in 2015. Talk a little bit about mill-to-mill -mill cooperation, mill-to-mill -mill, um, interaction between the United States military in both Ghana and the DRC. Thank you, Senator Kane. Uh, we have a very robust mill-to-mill -mill relationship with the Republic of Ghana. Uh, in fact, we recently signed a defense cooperation agreement that will deepen that um, shared interest in regional security. Ghana has had an outsized positive influence on, on regional security from early days of independence. Um, I had the pleasure when I was serving in Ghana previously to work on the uh, first peacekeeping training that the United States did 20 years ago. And when you were there in 97 to 01. That's right. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, a vast array of um, engagements uh, from exercises to this fabulous state partnership program with the North Dakota National Guard um, to uh, also uh, exchange programs and training, um, capacity building in, in many areas, not just peacekeeping. We have uh, the Security Governance Initiative that focuses on border security, on maritime security, and cybersecurity. And this is developed in conjunction with Ghana's own steering committee in terms of what they see as their, their needs. So we have a very strong collaboration and a robust collaboration that I expect to continue. Great. Thank, thank you. My, Ghana was one of the countries that my son was uh, deployed in, but Ambassador Hammer. Thank you, Senator Kane. Appreciate the question. I spent the last couple of years uh, on a detail at the National Defense University at Fort McNair, mm -hmm. where much of the work that is done there is not only uh, training and preparing our future leaders, but also uh, international fellows from all around the world. Uh, it pains me to say, however, that in the case of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, we do not have a relationship, a uh, mill-to-mill relationship to, to speak of. And the reason is because of the gross violations of human rights that the FRDC is, uh, has uh, carried out. However, we do have uh, very specific military assistance programs that are designed to help uh, with the military justice system uh, that involves uh, human rights training and understanding that, uh, in fact, impunity must not be tolerated, that uh, those who commit 
abuses of human rights and uh, crimes against humanity should be held accountable. I hope that uh, during my tenure there, if confirmed, we can get to a point where we can help uh, truly professionalize uh, the Congolese military to the point that we would have the confidence, of course, with uh, appropriate lehi vetting, lehi vetting plus, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that, again, that uh, we are professionalizing a military that can serve the Congolese people in the way that they would expect with utmost respect for human rights and that, uh, again, would be, I think, useful uh, in the long term. But we're not nowhere near there and uh, we'll have to continue to urge, again, improvements on the human rights front uh, if confirmed. Thank you for that answer. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Senator Kane. Senator Booker? Um, I'm, I'm happy to defer to Senator Coons if you'd like to get some more questions in, sir. Okay, I've got a few that I'm going to get into. Then, sir, I'll, I'll defer to you as well. You don't have to defer to me. I'll just defer to you. <laughs> um, I, 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 sincerely, I'm honored. I, I love uh, co-chairing this committee with uh, Senator Flake, and it's extraordinary where he is right now. And, and uh, we're really grateful for what, what he's done uh, in his work as chairman of this committee. I, I recognize uh, Senator Inhofe, who is seeing back there, is uh, just an extraordinary man who, who I have the privilege of uh, going to his hideaway. He feeds me and uh, gives me fellowship, which I deeply appreciate. And um, I have an old saying that says, before you tell me about your religion, first show it to me and how you treat other people. And uh, Senator Inhofe and his record in, in Africa speaks for itself and shows his deep faith and love of God's children, and I'm, I'm grateful. Um, but today I'm really grateful to be sitting next to you, sir. I'm proud to be here with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, I had a really good conversation. Uh, Mr. McCarter was uh, really gracious to sit with me in my office, and um, I want to make acknowledgement that maybe nobody has from the dais of what your family has done in showing their faithfulness, uh, the incredible work that you've done to save lives, frankly, and to uh, affirm the dignity of all people, and I don't want to diminish that. I know you've been receiving questions from my colleagues that were completely uh, justified, and I want to follow in some of those line of questions, but I want to start by saying that uh, in the same way that Senator Inhofe has, uh, your, your family has done extraordinary work, and you've showed an extraordinary commitment in certain areas. Uh, we all are, as you were, an elected leader, and, and I have certainly have said things that I wish I had said better and have been taken uh, out of context and, 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 and didn't reflect my heart. And, and so I, I'm in that game as well, and I'm sure you are. Um, I do want to revisit, though, uh, some of the things around LGBT community, uh, which I feel a, a great degree of concern about in our own country because of the violence that, that young uh, LGBTQ youth face, uh, the discrimination. Uh, I had a father, as I imagine you did, because clearly uh, I've heard, learned a little bit about your parents. But I was always amazed at my dad who would uh, it seemed like if he was in a room and there was somebody off alone at a party, he would go over and sit with that person for you know a long time, making them feel special. When we were in restaurants or in department stores or in grocery stores, it would always seem like he would find the people that were being marginalized or ignored, and I'd be stuck waiting on my dad because he seemed to be so enthusiastically talking to folks. And as I got older, I began to understand that my father had this sense that... Um, you know, you, you need to love everybody, but you have to have a more activist love towards those people who are, uh, who are discriminated against. And it's this understanding that there, it's not enough to say I'm not, don't discriminate. It's not enough to say I'm not a racist, that you have to be anti-discrimination, you have to be anti-racism. Uh, 
And so when it comes to LGBT community, it's not enough to say, hey, I'm going to treat everybody equal. Somehow you've got to balance the scales. And, uh, you know, when you, I read your comments, and you were so gracious because you brought this up to me yesterday before I even uh, uh, talked about it, um, but you, you opposed uh, not just uh, issues around marriage, which I understand we can disagree, but when it came to same-sex couples adopting, it seemed like you were opposing that. Uh, clearly, you were. Uh, it, it, you, you seem to oppose laws that would have tried to deal with the bullying issue. And so I'm wondering, uh, Senator Shaheen asked, and you didn't really give a straight answer about, now you're going to a community that criminalizes that behavior. You told me point blank that you oppose that. But do you feel an affirmative issue given um, the, the incredible discrimination? Uh, she asked you to make a commitment to even meet with the leaders in the LGBT community. You didn't give her an answer. Do you, do you feel the sense that, that you need to try to really work hard, especially given the, the comments that you may have made about LGBT communities to try to affirmatively work against the ongoing discrimination in the country you're going to? Senator, let me, um, let me first go to one of the things you mentioned about adoption. Um, what, I, what I did in the state legislature was simply put back an amendment that was stated on the floor by my Democrat counterparts that the Catholic Church, who is the largest adoption agency in the state, would still be able to continue working. And that was made very clear on the floor, yet when the law was passed, they were put out of business and had to reorganize. And so I'm not a Catholic myself. Um, I, I did that because there were so many families. This was the largest pool of families that were willing to adopt and, and foster. We had to, I felt that we needed to protect that group. Now, it was against their conscience to adopt to and foster to same-sex couples. So I simply put back an amendment that everyone had agreed to on the floor my, my Democrat, by the Democrats themselves, Senator Hain. And uh, actually what happened is I, I really got kind of left out in the cold there. I did what I thought was right. I did for, for, for those people so that we could have, we could have uh, hundreds and thousands of, of homes to go to, and then it went nowhere. I felt a little bit betrayed. But I, I believe I did the right thing. Um, now... I have been known for meeting with anyone. If, if, you, wanna, if you want me to go back to the, the actual question, I will. Uh, yes, I will meet. Yes, I, I, I meet even when the death penalty was being discussed in Illinois. And I voted against it. I had the most spirited, interesting meetings with, with those that uh, were, uh, wanted to abolish it. Uh, because I was open to hearing from them. Because you know what? I could be wrong at times. I admit that. And that's why, that's why I'm willing to listen. So in this situation, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to listen and, 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 and at any time. So to, to Senator Sheen's question, direct question to you, would you commit to meeting with leaders? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm over my time. I thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Booker. Senator Coons. And thank you, uh, Chairman Isaacson, uh, Ranking Member Booker. 
Um, I, I wanted to make sure I also um, asked some questions of Ambassador Sullivan, if you'll forgive me, because um, I've been to Ghana, I think, three times now. It's a country of particular interest and concern to me. Um, and I was talking with Ambassador Hammer about um, the importance of possibly having the first uh, free and fair elections, peaceful transition in DRC. Ghana's had, I think, seven uh, peaceful presidential and parliamentary elections since the return of multi-party democracy in 92. Um, our government provided about seven, seven and a half million uh, in funding to help make possible um, free, fair elections um, through the Electoral Commission, the National Peace Council, civil society. Um, was that a good investment? Um, do we get a good return on investment when we provide that kind of support uh, for election systems and for election processes? Um, and how does having regular free and fair elections contribute uh, to the development and progress of Ghana as a republic? Thank you, Senator Coons, and thank you for your um, uh, strong interest in Africa and support. Um, I, I think, yes, simply, it is an excellent investment. Uh, one election does not a democracy make, uh, and I think it's very important to continue to develop the local systems that will enable us to graduate from uh, providing that type of electoral assistance. Uh, I think a prerequisite is the political will. Uh, I was there for the third such election, and it was, in fact, the first handover from one democratically elected government to another of a different party. Uh, and that was a pretty amazing uh, time to be there. Uh, so it's very heartening to see how Ghana has continued in this positive democratic trajectory. And what has flowed from that, and, and when you ask about the benefits of that, and, and also I would say um, respecting the term limits, uh, have downstream benefits in improving the investment climate, uh, reassuring investors, both local and foreign, that the rule of law will be respected, um, letting politicians know that it didn't work out this time, you have another chance in four years. Ghana had a history of coups, and the fact that uh, they've pulled themselves out of it is amazing and a really wonderful example um, for not just the ECOWAS subregion, but elsewhere in the continent. And as I mentioned in my testimony, Ghana has long been a leader on the continent, and uh, I would, if confirmed, work with the authorities in Ghana to help uh, amplify their positive example for other countries in the region. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, my most recent visit there, I had a chance to meet with President Kufuado and um, was impressed uh, with his skills and ability, with their commitment to peacekeeping regionally. And I couldn't agree more with you that as more and more countries in West Africa have transitioned from countries with coups or strongmen, uh, to free and fair elections, uh, you've seen a, um, a ripple effect that's been wonderfully positive. I also visited the Gambia, which is, I think, the last West African country uh, to transition to uh, having uh, free and fair elections. Um, I want to ask uh, M Ambassador Hammer a question about MINUSCO, if I might, before I conclude. But, um, Mr. Tapia, if you might, you mentioned um, energy and the energy mix in Jamaica and concerns about resiliency. Um, the Caribbean has suffered through a series of devastating hurricanes. Uh, our own uh, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands uh, are still struggling to restore power. Um, if confirmed as ambassador, how might you help Jamaica advance um, towards a more uh, resilient uh, and sustainable uh, electrical system for its future? Uh, Senator, uh you're correct about the uh, the weather conditions and so forth that takes place in uh, in in Jamaica. 
Uh, the USAID is now in the process of formulating a program to work with the Jamaican government and so forth to build resiliency uh, for the primary uh, uh, hurricanes and so forth. Uh, I would support the USAID position very uh, robustly to, uh, to work with them on a serious part that can bring devastation to, uh, to the people, to the country, and to the interests of the United States. It is an area where I think an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So I hope you have the opportunity to uh, work along with USAID in delivering that. If I might, last question, uh, Ambassador Hammer, just MINUSCO is the largest, most expensive, one of the longest running peacekeeping missions in the world. Um, it, it had a, a change to its mandate that allowed it to be more proactive, uh, and that helped, I think, somewhat uh, in Far Eastern DRC, um, particularly uh, dealing with some of the residual forces that have bedeviled relations uh, with Rwanda. Um, any thoughts on um, how you might seek changes um, to its authorized troop ceiling, its mandate, and what role it uh, could or should play in further stabilizing conditions in DRC? Thank you, Senator, and uh, you're absolutely right that MONUSCO has a very important mission uh, to try to provide uh, for the uh, security of the Congolese people and at the same time also uh, assist with the electoral process. I will not, ha I have not had a chance yet to have discussions with our, our ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, to get her views, and it obviously doesn't fall within my purview alone. <laughs> Absolutely, it would be something that we would all do in consultation, and if confirmed, I would provide my views from the field, from Kinshasa. And we're all interested in an efficient and effective uh, MONUSCO mission, uh, which is extremely challenging, as, as you pointed out, uh, with a country the size of, of Europe, uh, the size of the United States, east of the Mississippi, with over 100 uh, armed groups, uh, uh, terrorizing people uh, throughout the, the country, not only in Eastern Congo, but the, what we've seen in, uh, more recently in the size uh, region. Uh, it is something that we need to, of course, always be taking a look at how to improve, uh, how can their operations become even more effective. And uh, it is something that, again, once I'm out there and have an opportunity to see them in action and to talk to more of the experts to see what is necessary going forward, but uh, we should also recognize that there's a, such a tremendous humanitarian uh, crisis ongoing with uh, 13 million people in need of humanitarian assistance, 4.5 million uh, internally displaced, uh, the, and absorbing 530,000 uh, refugees from other countries, the, the problems are, are rather severe. And so uh, even though that is not their primary function, providing some level of security and, and stability is, is a key uh, factor that, of course, uh, we should continue to support. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate your letting me run over, Mr. Chairman. Thank you all uh, to you and your families for your willingness to take on this service on behalf of our nation. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And, and I'm going to adjourn the meeting in just a second, but I've waited to the end for a reason. Um, <clears throat> had a thought cross, cross my mind, didn't think I would have had crossed my mind, but when it, when it works, I like to cash in on it if I can. Mr. McCarter, um, your testimony was a uh, was tough, and the questions were tough. And I've seen, had some issues in my statement in the past few years where people have responded to questions or made statements using Facebook or the internet or some other medium of communication like that. It's instantaneous that you can't take it back, that once it's gone, it's gone, and came close to ruining their entire career because they didn't think of it in the context 
of someday somebody might read this in a public forum. We had a case in Georgia just recently. Uh, pretty, you got a lot of attention where a guy said he was tricked. He'd have never said something if he hadn't been tricked. I have a little sign on my mirror on my bathroom in my home. It says, remember, stupid, everything's either a camera or a recording device. <laughs> and it's up there because I've walked out about every kind of meeting you can walk out of and found people who had already taped what I said and had reporters calling me about what I said. So you, words have meaning and they're important. I'll make you a suggestion. It's not, I don't know if I'm, it's appropriate for me to ask this, but I think it is given the sincerity of the questions that were asked by Senator Shaheen and the others, as well as what I think will be a good word to those who want to subscribe one day to be an ambassador. I'd like for you to send me or, and send the committee just a note and take the things that you said that you hadn't prepared to say, but when you answer those questions you said, and reduce that to writing to the committee addressing the question, for example, of putting somebody in jail or things like that. Understand if I'm an ambassador, I understand words have consequences and I understand I may have said some things that didn't. I think it's, if you do that once for all of us, for me and everybody else, it's an internal warning because all of us have the, the tendency sometimes to get enamored with our popularity or our position and respond in an environment that we feel real comfortable in that when stripped back from that comfort, we probably should have never said what we said. It really didn't, did not reflect the way we meant it. So I think in fairness to you, as well as to the senators that raised the question, and I'm one of those raising the question, you just jot down your th thoughts the next day or two to get them to the committee. It would be very helpful to memorialize what I thought were excellent responses personally and, and willing responses than just look, look past this day with that. So if you'd do that for me, I'd appreciate it. I'll do that, sir. Thank you. And thank you for your willingness to serve. And, you know, I feel sorry for Mr. Tap Mr. Tapia. You hadn't been asked any questions to speak of. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question. You're a golfer? No. You're not. <laughs> well, you brought up the Augusta National Golf Club in, in Georgia, Augusta, Georgia, and I thought if you brought that up at a hearing about uh, being an ambassador to, to Jamaica, sort of surely golf must be a big deal for you, but it's not. <laughs> well, Senator, uh, I happened to be there uh, at Augusta, uh, when Bubba Watson won the, uh, uh, the Master's Award, and, and uh, that was a question. And I've always kept it, and I've kept it uh, uh, in, my, in my own heart of how I've lived my life. And uh, thank you for that question. Well, let me tell you why I said it, because what you just said about how you live your life is very important. My father used to tell me, he said, you know, son, if you don't swing the club, you never know whether you're going to get a hole in one or not. And what you said, the way you said what you said about Augusta and everything else, and then what you just said about yourself, that's true for all of us, and it applies to what I was talking to Mr. McCarter about. Every, everything has meaning, and everything is important, and you're never going to know how impactful your words can be unless you're going to use them. And if you do use them and they cause an impact, you'll learn a lesson from good or bad one way or another. So it's very important to understand that life's about lessons. All of us get them, and I thought... I thought, sure, you were going to be a member of some great golf course. I could get you to take me on one of these days. But <laughs> I don't know that either you or I are going to live that long anyway, so don't worry about that. I just congratulate you on your nomination. Thank you all for your uh, participation. We wish you the very best. And if, I, I don't know when the committee meeting is going to be held for the markup, but we'll have it sometime soon, I'm sure. Thank you for your leadership, sir. Any other questions? If not, the hearing is adjourned.